Hello, Kieran here. This episode has been remastered from its source recording as the original finished version is unavailable. As it's been re-edited from scratch, it might be a little different to the first release. If you have the original version, please get in touch at HYSpodcast on Twitter or HYSpodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy! Two more disparate films you will not find as we talk the war game... Oh, what's the, what yours called? <laughs> the Last Stand. On episode 88 of Have You Seen? <laughs> Will that do? Yeah, okay. Hello, friends from the internet. This is indeed episode 88 of Have You Seen? Um, another bilocational extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Somewhere out there in the mists is yep. Tom Webb. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> Full of uh, verve and yeah. excitement as usual. Yeah, we've been na- narrowly avoiding floods. So, Oh, uh, yes. Um, and I unflooded and not living over a sinkhole. Oh, yeah. And Kieran Lefort. Yeah, I heard about that just a, about a half hour ago. That there's the, you uh, may have disappeared into the abyss. Uh, there's one about eight minutes drive from me. Right. Uh, and one... Well, yeah, in like the next town over, shall we say? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And uh, houses are falling in holes. Yeah. Did you see the one at the uh, the Corvette Museum? Yeah, you know, I know. That swallowed eight Corvettes, including two that were on loan. I know it's ridiculous. I just it's, it seems to be like a, a spate of sinkholes. It does. There's, really a, there's a disaster movie to be made in this. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll have John Cusack running away from sinkholes. <laughs> anyway. Um. That's much more um, jovial than what we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, last week, I pitched Tom the war game, uh, which I would imagine almost nobody's heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was made in 1965 by the BBC, and it's a documentary-style drama um, looking at the effects of nuclear war on a very unprepared Great Britain. Mm. Um, it's, it's the first example I can find of the mock documentary. Uh, in that I think if it had a different voiceover, it could have very well had um, uh, uh, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds type yes. effects on the viewing public. Absolutely. It's, uh, you, you say about the mock documentary, there was a, something around this time mm. when it was the, the at the time the equivalent of Newsnight Mm-hmm. did an April Fool's episode where they visited the spaghetti orchards of Italy. This this was also a... Um, and it's a, anything, and that, anything to do with Blue Peter's uh, joke, where if you planted a can of spaghetti hoops in your back garden in a few weeks, you'd have a spaghetti tree. No, no, I think that was based on this original thing. And, oh, I and, see. And I think it was around this time, so... I'd be, I'd be interested to see when that was because that, that, I think this was around the time of the advent of this kind of mock documentary. Okay, but that okay. that was done as a, an April Fool's joke, and they got like you know the the equivalent of Paxman at the time, and he was in this place, and they just <laughs> flung a load of spaghetti over the trees, and they did well, a whole um, thing on it. But yeah, this one not so much uh, done for comedy effect. No, 
it was due to be aired on August the 6th, 1965, which happened to be the 20th anniversary of the Hiroshima bombing. Right. Uh, and the BBC decided, and the quote is, the effect of the film has been judged by the BBC to be too horrifying for the medium of broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, and even after getting limited cinema distribution and winning the Oscar for Best Documentary Feature in 1966, it was mm. unshown in full on British TV until 1985. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um. How do I how do I describe it? Uh, it kind of shows the run up to and immediate aftermath of a Soviet nuclear attack on Britain. Yeah, um, and pretty much shows in quite graphic documentary style how mm. massively unprepared the Britain of 1965 was for any kind of yeah. nuclear attack. Well, and I guess the Britain of 2014 would be almost equally unprepared well, yeah, for absolutely. a nuclear yeah. attack. Well, it, it, was... it basically showed you that everything you'd seen in the public information duck and cover films was absolute bullshit and you were going to die horribly. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I was, it was surprisingly graphic. Uh, are you thinking, uh, as I am, of the small child sitting mm. on the pavement with the massive burns on his arm? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, the makeup and stuff in it is phenomenal. I think that's kind of aided by the kind of shitty quality. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And you can't yeah. see the detail in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have almost no notes for this. Yeah, me either. Um, I did say last week I thought it'd be a quaint, unintentionally comical piece misunderstood in a simpler time. And yeah. I was wrong. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's pretty much... that. I didn't write any notes while I was watching it. And the first thing I wrote was... <clears throat> well, that was, tw- that was absolutely terrifying. I mean, it yeah. really was shocking. And mm. I was... Like, I didn't... Like I said, I didn't expect it to be that graphic and that kind of full-on and... I mean, it was really relentless. Especially not for BBC TV of mm. the 60s. It was supposed to be like a... Uh, it was an episode of the Wednesday play. Really? Wow. Yes. I mean, it's. I mean, it really is horrifying. And it's like... Mm. And, uh, you know, all of the information that they present in it is based on accounts from uh, Hiroshima, mm. Dresden, and um, Nagasaki, and another one as well, which I can't remember the name of. And, I mean, they were all horrific events. Mm. And there were there were moments when you know you, you got to the point where several days after the aftermath, the doctors basically were were categorizing people, and category three was basically you're not worth saving. We're going to put you in a room, and you're going to die horribly in pain. And yeah. then, like two days later, it was decided you know people would decide, well, actually, maybe the police should just shoot them. Yes, there are a lot of police shooting people. Yeah, and I mean, that's based on things that happened in places like Dresden and what have you. And I mean, mm. I think uh, Dresden was probably one of the worst atrocities the British have ever committed, I think. Mm. Um, just absolutely carpet bombing that entire city flat. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a incredible little documentary and definitely worth watching mm, um just perhaps not finding too much entertainment in no no not at all but i think it's 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 such a kind of sharp antidote to all of the duck and cover public yeah. information films that it's it's a real kind of harsh slap in the face almost mm. i mean things like uh Oh, you know, here, here's a little boy. He now has uh, third-degree burns on his retinas due to the flash of a 
yeah. atomic bomb that occurred 20, 40 miles yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, like 20 odd miles away. Um, thankfully, his parents were able to get inside before the shockwave arrived, and then like yeah. everything starts shuddering and shaking. And mm. and then later on, you see the dad of that little boy saying that he, he hasn't discussed radiation poisoning with his wife because. You know, he doesn't want to talk to her about leukemia and he, all he wants to do is for his child to grow up and not die. And it's mm. just really, really, like, gut-punchingly hard. Yeah. You know? Um, I think one of the things that really kind of makes it feel quite modern in a way is the camera work. Uh, yes. He's like, it's a lot of hand... It's almost Paul Greengrass-esque. I was going to say, particularly, there's a bit where... Um... Uh, there's a bit where they're out in the streets with the military, isn't there? Yeah, is that the bit? And that is very green grassy. Yeah, there's the. Is that the bit you're thinking of when when the siren goes off to warn for the attack and they're running in and out of the building and it, it's all handheld? Oh no, not and... that one. No, no, no. There's a bit. I think they're with the. Uh, um, there's an American unit depicted. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. isn't that the when they're sort of rioting? The camera at some point. Yeah, yeah uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's to quell. Yeah, that the to Americans quell the have been called in, brought in to help quell the rioters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, and that's very, that's very kind of modern. Mm, but it's got that shaky cam. Yeah, it's got that real kind of sort of modern, like visceral feel, and then it's counterpointed with this very BBC voiceover and title cards, yes. which in themselves are quite shocking. Mm. And, I mean, there are times when, like, you know, for example, the bits where, you know, the boy's suffering burns and or the police are shooting people and it will just cut to, like, a, a, a black screen and you'll hear the voiceover say, this will happen in the event of a nuclear attack. Yep. And then it kind of carries on to the next bit and it's, yep. just, it's just, like, so abrupt and forceful that you're that at no point do you kind of think no it wouldn't you go yeah no absolutely i, I completely <laughs> yeah, I believe you I, believe I, you. I, I absolutely think yeah you're right this would happen um yeah, and please cut to an episode of blue peter or wash with mother yeah yeah and you know society probably would you know fall into disarray in this manner mm. um so yeah it's an incredible uh piece i wish i wish it's the sort of thing I'd been shown in history class when you're covering mm. that, that sort of era, particularly the sort of post Hiroshima kind of uh, uh, sort of you know, yeah um, Cold War nuclear scare era. Because mm. I mean, when I guess when I was really really little, there was still kind of that nuclear threat, and I think was it in 1982 was the one of the closest times we ever got to midnight on the doomsday clock hmm. uh, hence the iron maiden song um yes. uh, so you. well yeah uh, but you know <laughs> so it's kind of like it kind of you kind of have that weird little connection to it remembering seeing the those films from the 70s the the protect and survive hmm. which if you watch this on youtube will come up as a, like a you know you've watched this so we'll now watch that yeah um and just some of those are like just the jingle on it is just creepy as hell, <laughs> and just hearing that puts the fear of God in you, I guess. Mm. But yeah, so it, I think everyone should watch it because it's just it's just a fascinating insight into uh, a, a effectively an institution that didn't believe the lies another institution were telling it and tried to mm. do something about it and then was kind of blocked. Really? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. 
Um, it's one to be respected rather than enjoyed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's available. It's available in full on YouTube. There are two different versions. One um, yeah. slightly less out of sync than the other. Yeah. Uh, and I put a link up on the site and on uh, repeatedly on Facebook, mm-hmm. trying to persuade people to watch it and uh, send us their reviews. I think everybody must have been too shocked. Forty-eight minutes of relentless black and white nuclear yeah. terror uh, to send us any. Yeah, it is pretty horrifying, but I do urge people to watch it um, just because it's a. It's I think it's a brilliant historical document, other than anything else. So, should we move on to something that's not a brilliant historical document? <laughs> yes, and slightly less horrifying. Yes, and just downright stupid. Yes, go for it. Uh, okay, so uh, I pitched you The Last Stand, which was kind of Arnie's big return to acting after uh, being the governor in California. Um, and popping up in an Expendables movie. Yeah, yeah. Or two. This was his first kind of big lead role back, I think. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's one of those things that's got a simple, typical kind of 80s action movie premise, much like you'd see in 80, like, older Arnie movies. Um, but it's got. Which the, I haven't actually seen that many of. Really? Have you ever no, seen? Have you ever I mean, seen I've The seen Running classic. Man? Yes. Okay. Uh, what have I seen? Running Man, The Terminators, Predator. Right. But I've never seen things like Commando oh, or okay. um, yeah. gen- his generic schlock. I, do like you know what Raw I really Deal. Like, actually, I've never seen that. I know. What, do you know what I really like? Yeah. Is Red Heat. Red Heat. That was the other one. Mostly I was because to think I love of. the bus chase at the end. Yes. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, you never seen any of the Conan movies? No, I haven't. All right, okay. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I can hear future pitches forming in your no, head. no. I'm, you know, I'm not into that sword and sorcery stuff. But there's a couple mm. of other Arnie movies we could potentially cover. Have you seen True Lies? Yes. All right, okay, fine. Um, yeah, so Anyway, it's got that kind of <laughs> that all the good ones out of the way. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, damn. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's got that kind of typical sort of Arnie feel in terms of the plot. Uh, it's got very kind of standard. Uh, action movie dialogue which in the, particularly in the first sort of half hour or so is just every single line is signposting something that's going to happen later uh, yep. without fail um it's got this weird like odd cast that is both just strange yet quite good quite good like i mean you got people like forrest whitaker in there and louise guzman and you know johnny knoxville turns up as this absolute nutcase um and then the whole thing's brought together by this mental Korean director. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it's just kind of it's. More, I found it. I thought it was more fun than it should have been, and I got mm. way more enjoyment out of watching it than I thought I was going to. Particularly the last half of it, when all the action kind of kicks off. Okay, well, I thought it was a lot less fun than it should have been. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, my last note is meh with highlights. Okay, fair enough. And all of those highlights are in the last half hour in yeah, the yeah. action scene, yeah. the big blow-off action scene. Right. Um, the very brief opening titles are cool. Yes. Because the whole plot is there's a um, an escaped Mexican drug lord is in a in an extremely fast sports car mm-hmm. steaming from Vegas to the Mexican border and the only, yeah. essentially the only thing in his way is a little town where Arnold Schwarzenegger is the sheriff. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, do you think Arnie was born and grew up in that town? Do you think that's the local accent he's sporting? Absolutely, definitely. You think? Yeah, in the same way that Sean Connery's Portuguese. 
Yes. Or Spanish or Egyptian that, or whatever he's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wrote, where is it Arnie supposed to be from? Scratch that. Where's Peter Stormer supposed yeah, to be from? Exactly. I think <laughs> Battle of the Terrible Accent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot um, he was in it as well. Yeah. For Peter Stormer. Yeah, nobody in this film can act. Everybody no. sucks. Yeah. Well, um, they're even all Forrest up. Whitaker. Yeah. Uh, and he's ported in from another movie entirely. I don't know what he thought he was doing or what his agent told him it was. It, like I, I think I said last week, it's really weird that he seems to be in this serious thriller and nobody yeah. else is. I know. Um, and I also realised watching this how much someone I know looks like a white Forrest Whitaker. It's really unnerving. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, so he's taking that very, very seriously. Uh, the escape scene is pretty clever. Yeah, so I, I do like that bit. I think that's really quite um, cool. With a large, uh, They use a large electromagnet to pick up the pick up the yeah. prison van from the middle of the convoy yeah. uh, and then there's lots of disguising and uh, I like the bit with the guy in the orange tracksuit mm. yeah so the um, the SKP is wearing his orange prison uniform yeah and legs it and swaps places with someone else in an orange prison uniform who then swaps places with the man in an orange tracksuit who's just out for a jog at 4am <laughs> yeah. who's the one who gets tackled by the police yeah uh, nice little bait and switch yeah um you were right. The squibs are nuts. Aren't they ridiculous? They are massive. I know. And I was like, some of them, I'm just like, are they, they CGI? Some are, I think. And then some, I, I think, think are real. digital assistants. Yeah. yeah. They, but there's some really huge ones in there that are just mm. ridiculous. Mm. Um, I noticed that Kim Ji-woon has almost the opposite type to James Nguyen. There are no blondes in this movie. All the women <laughs> have long, dark hair. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I didn't write anything. Apart from I'm an hour okay. in and this is nowhere near as much fun as it should be. Right, right. Um, how did Luis Guzman survive the RPG attack where he's hiding behind the car? I don't know. The grenade, the <laughs> rocket hits the car and somehow blows it over his head. And yeah. he survives this massive explosion and walks out with a gun shooting at people. I think, I think in one of the shots, of one of the overhead shots, you do see somebody moving away. So I don't know if there was a real stuntman nearby of, that, but it, if there was, Jesus Christ. I don't know. He just saw the, the, a figure ducks and right. the car explodes and flies over his head. Yeah. Um, and somehow he walks out unscathed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the best bit is Arnie capping the guy he's just bundled off the roof in midair. Yes, I like that. Uh, which made me go, oh, bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> and then kind of using him as a crash pad when yeah. he hits the ground. Or Johnny Nextville blowing up a man with a flare gun. <laughs> yes. Uh, both of which made, they they were probably the two highlights for me. Yeah, or possibly I thought, the old deer decided to gun down the bloke who breaks into our house. Yeah, I thought you'd like the bit with the flare gun and the uh, the the uh, dynamite mm. on the guy's back, or is it no shot, yeah. shotgun rounds, isn't it, or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, the it was during the end sequence I realised what this movie should have been and wasn't. Right. Okay. And I don't know if it's because it was a small town being defended against bandits or right. if it was because of the chain gun they use in the back of the bus mm. in a similar manner. This should have been Arnie in Millionaire's Express. Ah, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Imagine if this was as much fun as that movie. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I, th- I think this movie, they waste too much time trying to explain everything. Oh, it takes forever. No, I mean, and, and it's like... It's it's almost like we oh we need to signpost everything that's going to come into play later. They couldn't have just like gone mm. with it and just I let it let it go. I know there are kind of title cards with times that come up. But I have real problems with the time frame of the film, right? Because it feels like 
Peter Stormare, who disappears for half the movie. Yeah. And his bad guys are just kind of given forever at the canyon to do whatever the fuck they like. Yeah. Even yeah. after they've been discovered and killed a police officer. Yeah, I know. It is a bit wonky, I think. Yeah, the uh, the um, the pacing is completely off. Yeah. And I know the idea is it's kind of um, light a fuse and then you have to watch the fuse before you get to the bomb. Yes. Um, but the fuse is too long and too boring. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think. Um, although the kind of the, the end action sequences are pretty good. And yeah. even actually the fist fight that Arnie has with the mm. bad guy on the bridge yes. uh, is pretty well done given Schwarzenegger's limitations. Absolutely. Because if you look, he is actually in quite a lot of that. Yeah, and one of my favourite bits is where he kind of just body slams the guy's shoulders across the edge of the bridge. Yes. Uh, just, oh my God, that looks painful. It does look like it hurt. The other thing I really liked in that scene is where you can see the big block of wood strapped to the bad guy's leg for the knife to go into. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, significantly less fun than I hoped it would be. Okay, that's a shame. Um, but all right, I suppose. Fine, fair enough. I don't know if I'll watch it again. I certainly won't watch it all again. I might watch the last half hour again. Yeah, yeah. And like try I and work out how Louis Guzman survives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I say, the, the last half is definitely more entertaining than the first half. And it's, it's kind mm. of a good kind of just... Like, mong out background movie kind of thing, mm. you know? Yeah, okie dokie. We did part two of the listen question last week, didn't we? Yes. Which was, if you could make a movie based on comic book material, what would it be? Yeah. And we've had responses. Really? Yes. I'm about to do a lot of reading. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to take a big gulp of water. Okay, and then, uh, guess what? It's a Pete Hammond email. Okay, perfect. Mr. P. Hammond says, How do, lads? His customer greeting. Mm -hmm. So, this studio, more interested in making money than interesting films then. There's money (laughs) to be made in them, their comics. He says, I'll be honest, comic book movies are starting to bore me. I like the first Iron Man, but two and three, not so much. Green Lantern was an abomination. Man of Steel was a bit meh, although I've never been emotional over Kevin Costner dying before. Oh, that's a spoiler, I suppose, isn't it? I don't see how the Avengers made $4 billion. I did like Captain America, though, and I'm looking forward to Winter Soldier, and I do love the Thor movies, although I do have an affinity there, as I was almost called Thor. That needs exploring. Hmm. Thor Hammond. Yeah. Uh, Batman didn't really excite me either. Yes, another one. Good. Um, The mass production of comic book movies is kind of eroding geek culture and just making it all a bit mainstream. The stuff that's cool nowadays got me bullied in school in the 80s, so I guess there's an element of jealousy there too. Uh, But then there are more left-of-field comic book movies, four of which I would have shortlisted to make. I love the Hellblazer series, which got made into Constantine, which I loved even though they got Keanu Reeves in instead of someone from Sheffield. Sean Bean would have been good. I like Constantine, Uh, actually. Yeah, I've only seen that once. And I can't no, remember I've if I liked it or not. I've only seen it once and I really enjoyed it. All right. Um, maybe we should do a second chance show and I should... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I can't remember if I liked it or not. I own it, mm. so... Yeah, yeah. I need to watch it. I keep meaning to watch it again and keep forgetting. Other yeah. things get in the way. Yeah. Uh, Hellboy made it onto the big screen, helped by Guillermo del Torre. Guillermo del Torre? <laughs> <laughs> Guillermo del Torre Amos. Um, <laughs> there's a mashup you don't need. No, just um, really melancholy Hellboy- monsters. Yeah, with a Mexican accent. Yeah. Um, held by Guillermo del Toro, that guy, and was really good. Uh, mm. Alien vs. Predator, done properly and using the comic storylines, could have been really good. All and right. then, of course, there's the excellent Dread. 
Uh, I'm, of course, ignoring the fucking atrocious Stallone movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll come with this from left field. So I go for one of two. The first is probably better known. No, definitely better known. The Xbox video game series Gears of War had a comic book series that could have been turned into a decent movie, but studios never make good films related to video game properties, so that would be a non-starter. Yeah, I cannot get into Gears of War. No, me either. I remember when it first came out. I think I, I, I think I might have worked at Blockbuster at the time, mm. and I rented it, and I, I got bored after like half a level. It I was, was just like, um, I don't, I don't, understand, I don't like this. It was uh, one of the Xbox Gold freebies recently. So I downloaded right. it, and it's just so slow and lumpen. Mm. It's as meat-headed as the characters. It's I found it so hard. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Pete would make We Three. He right. says We Three was a DC comic from the early two thousands. The mm-hmm. story ran for three issues uh, and focused on the exploits of three cybernetically enhanced animals: a dog, a cat, and a rabbit that were trained for war. When Project Orr was cancelled, the subjects of We Three were marked for extermination and the comic followed the government's attempts to eradicate We Three as they struggled to find a place they could call home. Right. I would be going for an 18 rating and combining elements of The Littlest Hobo, The Incredible Journey and The Bourne Movies. <laughs> nice. Um, I've just, I looked up the series on Wikipedia actually and it yeah. actually looks pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, written by Grant Morrison who has a history of writing cool and interesting things okay. uh, and apparently was optioned for a movie in 2006. Mm. Um, and it's kind of uh, languished in, in development hell ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last line of the plot uh, summary on Wikipedia says, they also encounter civilians with varying reactions. <laughs> um, uh, oh, there's more from Pete. Okay. As an aside, he says, I'm jealous of Tom's living arrangements being near Duxford. I used to work at an agricultural plant breeding centre across the road from the IWM and we grew crops in the fields surrounding the airfield. It's an unbelievable sensation to suddenly realise you and your plot combine are moving slow enough to be used as a waypoint marker for a clipped wing Mark V Spitfire practising its show routine. <laughs> Especially when it blasts over your head at under 50 feet. Yeah. Um, and I used to live at RAF White and when they sold off a load of houses on the base. Every year they would have a Pathfinder reunion. Um, uh, White was a Pathfinder base in World War II look it up those pilots were fucking amazing mm. and have a fly pass slash display of the Battle of Britain Memorial Flights Lancaster wow considering it's the only UK one flying the other is in Canada uh, they really throw that thing around in the sky <laughs> uh, at one point the pilot almost corkscrewed it Jesus. again look it up yeah he says enough of that keep up the good work uh, love the show Steve Pete Hammond right <laughs> excellent here we go yeah Boy, that man can write. He can. And does frequently. We do yeah. appreciate it, but we do. it's Very hard work. So. <laughs> it's hard work. I need to increase my lung capacity somehow. Yeah. Um, the other reader contribution mm-hmm. to the comic book thingy yeah. <laughs> uh, is Dino Peppers on uh, Facebook. Right. Says, bone. Okay. He does expand. Right. It's I like Lord so. of the Rings, only funnier. Right. Um. He then links to Wikipedia to save him making a mess of the story. So I'm going to read it and make a mess of the story. Okay. Good Good luck. The series centers on the Bone Cousins, white, bald cartoon caricatures. Uh, they are, oh my God, Fontable P. Phony Bone, Smiley Bone, and Phone Bone. Right. Uh, they've been run out of their hometown of Boneville after Phony's campaign for mayor went awry. After crossing a desert, the cousins are separated by a sea of locusts and individually ending up at the mysterious valley and must make their way 
across the fancy landscape pursued by giant rat creatures. Right. They joyously reunite at a local tavern, tavern called Barrelhaven, where they're taken in by a mysterious girl named Thorn and her even more enigmatic grandmother. Phonebone instantly develops a crush on Thorn when he meets her and repeatedly attempts to express his love through poetry. As they stay longer in the valley, they encounter humans and other creatures who are threatened by a dark entity, the Lord of the Locusts. The bones are quickly drawn into the events around them, compelling them on a hero's journey to help free the valley. Hmm. It sounds mental. Uh, it does sound mental. I realise I recognise the characters from it. Right. I've kind of seen the illustrations and possibly seen the books in comic shops. Okay. Um, so, Dino says, the options on how to do a film uh, are many. Do you choose animation? And if you do, should you stick with the black and white, go with the colour or mix the two? Then, classic Jubilee-style animation or Pixar CGI loveliness? Or should you go with live-action green screen mania? For me, I go classic Jubilee-style animation in a mix of black and white line art and full-blown colour dependent on the scene's content. Right. My neighbours, the Yamadas and Pompoko, had this style, where they would vary the animation levels on the seriousness of the scenes. Voice cast while... It, voice... Fuck me. Voice cast-wise, it'll probably include Mark Hamill in there somewhere, and I'll get a restraining order out on Seth MacFarlane so he's nowhere near it. Right. Why I'd do it? It's a great story that sweeps from being simple slapstick humour to the Lord of the Rings-style epicness that'll appeal to all ages. It'll still have that oh-so-important merchandising dollar attached with the lead characters looking like they do. Most importantly, I'd do it so Peter Jackson doesn't get his grubby mitts on it and turn it into a nine-film <laughs> epic which bores everybody to tears except the most hardcore of fans. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So, I get to shut up for a minute. Yeah. What would you choose? Now, I've been pondering this ever since mm -hmm. you asked it. Mm. and by the time we started recording, I'd come to the conclusion I couldn't think of anything. Okay, good. And then while we've been sitting here, I spied something on my bookshelf because I happened to be in the library, and I thought, oh, that actually, that actually would be quite an intriguing thing to try and do as a movie. Mm -hmm. And then I saw something else, which I think actually that I like that more, and I'd probably do that. So the first thing I spotted was Superman Red Sun. Okay. Which is basically the story, it's the origin story of Superman, but what would have happened if he'd landed in communist Russia rather than the US? Yes. Um which is kind of a kind of a fun premise. Um and kind of a, a nice alternative to the Superman story, which could make a kind of intriguing, very stylized movie. Uh but doubt it would get ma made in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Then the other thing that occurred to me was a, as a, a, a comic or a graphic novel that I've read that um, would be a really, really good film to make and it's nothing like any other graphic novel out there and that is mm. Mouse. I knew you picked Mouse. I don't know why. Probably because it's the only graphic novel I've seen in your library. Right, and uh, just because I think that that's, that's an intriguing way to tell a period of history. And, mm. and for people who don't know, Mouse was a graphic novel written by a cartoonist. I think he was a cartoonist for one of the New York papers, either the New York Times or, uh, New York Times or, the, or maybe the New Yorker or something like that. Um, and he started to interview his father, who was a Jew who had escaped the Nazis. And the only way in which he could tell this story effectively was to draw it as a cartoon strip. Um, but what he decided to do is make all the Jews mice and all the Nazis cats. Um, and it kind of takes on this, this kind of way of telling a 
horrifying, gruelling story, but in a way that's slightly more accessible to to look at mm. uh, and to engage with. Um, it's very well done, and it's it's interesting because not only do you have the actual story of his father's escape and the family that escape, but also uh, the kind of uh, the the actual relationship between him and his father as he tries to extract this information from him, because it's obviously something he finds very difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. So that the the actual book is set in two fri- time frames: the present, where he's he's writing the comic, mm. uh, and the the, the the during the war as the escape is happening. Um, it's a fantastic book, um, and I, th- I think uh, you could make that into a really engaging animation, which, you know, it would be a, a kind of a... It would kind of be a, a very accessible way to, to look at a Holocaust story, basically. Hmm. Um, it's, it would be pretty hard-hitting, but it would be a kind of a, you know, a way of kind of softening that gruelling imagery that you see in things like schindler's list and what have you hmm. um, i'm just looking to see if there uh if there have been any attempts to i don't know i think it was written in the 80s the, the uh, graphic novel like 85 or 86 maybe uh i can't see it from here actually well it was uh it was started in 72 oh wow okay that far back. um but the uh dates of publication i've got for the collected right, okay. versions are 1980 to 1991. Right, okay. Um, it not I don't think there's been any attempt to animate it. No. At any time. No, I think that's how you'd you'd have to do it and I think mm. you might you'd probably have to go sort of more traditional uh 2D drawn animation. I I think, yeah. I think if you'd you have tra- to keep the style of the book. Yeah, I think if you went CGI it would, you'd, it would it would make it too twee perhaps it might lose mm. some of the impact which you want to kind of you want to kind of make accessible but you don't want to take away the the weight of it as it were mm. so on that depressing note that's what i pick okie dokie well a slightly less depressing note i'm right. going to go with a standard regular marvel comic book okay which almost nobody has heard of mm. um but i liked it because well it was the backup strip that appeared in some transformers comics i think Right. Or maybe Spider-Man comics when okay. I was a kid. And I ended up really enjoying it. Um, it's called Star Brand. Right. Uh, and it's essentially Marvel's version of Green Lantern. Okay. But sort of more down to earth. Right. Kind of. Right. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> no, not um, vaguely. <laughs> if I tell you it starts with a dying alien. Right. Um, okay. Um, uh, there's a, a, he's a professional uh, motorbike rider. Um called Ken Connell, comes in contact with a dying alien who right. touches him and leaves him with a star-shaped mark right? Uh, that he can't get rid of. It won't scrub off. And if he touches it and then touches somewhere else on his body, the mark moves to wherever he touches, which huh. enables him to hide it effectively right? Uh, and pass it off as a tattoo. Okay. Um, uh, he then discovers that that uh, gives him uh, all the power he can imagine. Mm. but with consequences. So he can't transfer the thing from himself to anything that's not alive. Right. Um, He tries to transfer it to an asteroid uh, in low orbit and ends up blowing up Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And I've got a few of the comics still. I was rereading them. And I think I'll probably only do the first six issues because after that they introduce something a bit weird. Right. Um, yeah, we're cutting the Star Child out completely because that's just bizarre. Right. It makes me think of Kiss. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but I thought it was it was a cool and interesting variation of Green Lantern. Yeah, it sounds weird. It is weird. Mm. Um, I'm not explaining it very well. I'm basically right. just scrubbing up and down the Wikipedia page at the moment. I haven't right. read it for a while. Right. Um I meant to reread it before we did this, actually, so I could talk about it a bit better. Right. Um, it was it's it was something new and different at the time. Marvel launched mm. a thing called the New Universe, which kind of flopped. Right. Um, and this was told from um, the main character's first-hand experience, rather than like from some godly figure looking down. Right which was very different to what they've been doing at the moment. Um, and it was more a very, very normal person having to deal with being given ultimate power rather than, for example, other Marvel heroes like the Fantastic Four were already super brainy scientists and yeah. going into space and accidentally end up with their powers. This is a normal person coming across a completely extraordinary event and being made extraordinary. Right, okay. So more and um, more like in the line of Spider-Man. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Um, yeah, it's about it, really. Mm, intriguing. Um, yes, I've but never badly explained. No, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Mind you, I'm not particularly... I'm not into comics or graphic novels that much. Most of the ones I've got or have read are based on... Uh, are ones that movies have been based on already. Yeah. So like, I've read all of the Sin Cities and I've read some of the Batman mm. ones that, you know... Uh, a kind of classic ones, um, yeah. And I've read some Iron Man, but not a huge amount, really. Mm. Uh, well, let's get off this comic book business. Yes. Um, I have another email, right, from Richard Pierce. Okay. He what pitched us uh, the football documentary, undefeated, undefeated. way yes. way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says one of the Pierce brothers here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say what I'm going to start by saying what a great job you're doing with the podcast. I love it. I look forward to it every week. Excuse my spelling. I'm typing this while walking home from work, listening to the show. Excellent. Uh, he says, "Me and my partner Harriet watched Team America a while ago, and I'm finally getting around sending in our review." When did we do Team America? Uh, episode Was that episode one, one or two? One or two. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think it might be episode one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, he says, first, I just love this film. It's comedy genius." I love the comedy scenes, including the use of cats, the weird sex scene, and the greatest <laughs> comedy song, I'm So Won't We. Um, Harriet's review boils down to two sentences. It's like seeing a disabled child fall over and laughing. It's that inappropriately funny. Uh, the film has us in fits of laughter, and now we have fits of seeing each other and just saying Durka Durka for about 20 minutes. Um, he then goes on uh, with a couple of pitches, okay, uh, which I think we're going to wait and save. Okay. Um, one of which I talked to you about yesterday yes. and yes. sparked an idea for a special. That's right. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. So we shall leave that on hold, but yep. uh, rest assured we'll get to them soon. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've been speaking for about 45 minutes straight. Yeah. yeah. So would you like to pitch a movie? Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch you another action movie. Oh, good. Um, that we've talked about a couple of times on the show already. Um, just... Uh, 
I don't know. I just, I just kind of felt, why not? Why not do it now? Um, so I'm going to pitch you Jack Reacher because we've been talking about doing it for for a few weeks. Okie dokie. Um, and I absolutely love the books. I've read quite a lot of them now, ten or eleven of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Possibly even more than that, actually. Um, and I recently read the one that the movie is based on. Um, so the movie of Jack Reacher is based on the novel One Shot. Um, mm-hmm. They've obviously changed it a fair bit. Uh, made the lead character a foot shorter. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've, yeah, they've made him a foot shorter. They, they've adjusted his personality very, very slightly, um, and that the the ending is completely different, uh, but similar. Okay. If that makes sense, uh, the setting is totally different, and it, 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 they've made it more cinematic. That you know, it, they've. I don't think they've done anything that detracts from the book. I think they've just mm-hmm. they've just made a decent movie version of that premise, as opposed to making a movie of the book. If that makes okay. sense. Um, right. Jack Reacher is basically he's a mili- an ex military policeman. Um, who is now if who's he's a drifter basically, and he wanders around and ends up getting into these weird kind of scrapes and capers, and uh, he's one of those things that he's he's the kind of guy that ends up in a situation that uh, requires someone of his skill to deal with, mm-hmm. but because most people don't have his skills, they would probably wouldn't end up engaging in this series of events so he kind of like because of his background he he kind of ends it's up a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah kind of so like you know he he kind of stumbles across a situation that most people might think nothing of but because of his background as a detective and also his training as a military officer uh he kind of sees that things are, are not quite as they should be and investigates further and ends up getting dragged into these kind of big elaborate plots um, that are quite ridiculous, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's he's kind of a typical action hero, uh, you know. He's he's uh, I mean, in the books, he's like six five, two hundred and fifty pounds, mm. and uh, Dwayne Johnson shape. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and he's he's got like uh, he he always knows what time it is. Like he has an internal clock, so he's he's like second sharp all the time. So he always knows what time it is, regardless mm-hmm. of where he is or what's going on around him. Um, you know, and he's got kind of things like that. It's kind of kind of James Bondy esque, kind of slightly slightly unusual attributes, shall we say? Mm. Um, the basic premise of the movie is. Um, a sniper kills a small group of people in a city and a man is arrested for that crime and all he's writes is get jack reacher okay uh because they share a past uh and jack reacher comes along and gets involved in investigating what the hell went on and happened and why um it stars as we mentioned, Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher, who is not the Have most obvious choice. Have we done a Tom choice. Cruise movie yet? Yeah, Few Good Men. for interrupting. Few Good Men. Oh, yes, that's right. Um, which actually well, actually is referenced in the book. Right. Which was written way before he was attached to be in the movie. 
which is kind of amusing. They they use some of the the uh, some of the quotes from a, f- a few good men in the uh, in the book. Um, but uh, yeah, he's kind of. I've always said I think Hugh Jackman would have made a really good Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Cruz actually kind of does a really good job and makes it his own. And uh, you know, they've obviously kind of made a few allowances to his character, obviously because he's wiry and he's shorter. Um, but he's still got that same kind of confidence about him, which is something that Jack Reacher has in the books. You know, he's very aware of his ability, you know? So, so when, uh, so when he's faced with five guys who want to beat him up, he knows that he's going to take out three of them and the last two are going to run away, Mm. you know? So he's, he's got that kind of confidence to him and, and Cruz pulls it off to quite, you know, with quite a plum, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, it was written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Um, uh-huh. And obviously it was uh, based on the book by Lee Child. Uh, and I believe, I think they're, they're working on another film. But what they've decided to do with that is not base it on one of the previous books and just make it its own entity, which, okay. I, which I think is a really smart move. Because I think this, this film drew a lot of, oh, it's not like the book. Or he's not like the Jack Reacher of the books and all this kind of stuff. And I think you kind of need to get away from that, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it co-stars Rosamund Pike, Richard Jenkins and Werner Herzog. That's about the only thing I know about this film, that Werner Herzog is um, is in it. Yeah. Uh, and he's brilliant in it. Um, it's also got Jai Courtney, who was uh, who played the son in the latest... He played um, John McClane's son in the latest yes. Die Hard. And... Uh, who else is there? No, mm, nobody else of like huge significance, particularly. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's again, it's a good, it's a good action thriller. It's not, it's it's not silly and fun. Oh, I tell you who else is in it? Robert Duvall. Okay, uh, and you, some of the best, some of the best kind of sparring is between him and Cruz because obviously they've got a bit of history with Days of Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some nice little uh, sparring between those two. Um, yeah, and I just think uh, good, solid action movie. Okie doke. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. And and I do think you should have a crack at reading some of the books. Okay. Because I think you'd kind of like them. They, it's, they are like stupid big action movies in book form. Yeah, I kind of... I don't know. I was put off. I don't know why. Because I'd heard, obviously, I'd heard about the books. And yeah. um, I guess I must have read something about the character and just thought it just didn't appeal to me. Yeah, I was a bit kind of the that, same. And I have real trouble reading fiction these days. Right, okay, that's fair. I know I know quite a few people are like that. Mm. Um, I, the, for me, the book, they just completely escape. They, they feel like reading the Bond novels because okay. it's just like escapism. And you know the hero's going to win out of the day. You know, you know, it's a, so you, you kind of know what to expect, but they just kind of draw you in and get really ridiculous and silly. Okay. Um, some are way better than others. Some of them are mm. quite, you know, a bit meh in terms of the story. <laughs> um, but there's some, there's some really good ones. Okay. Um, yeah. We- so I think it's on Netflix. It is. Yeah. Yes. Well, you have a choice. Okay. Of what you would like pitched. Would you like an action movie? Yeah. Or would you like a documentary? Oh. I I kind of think action movie would sit well with Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. So we could do that unless you want, unless you think the, the documentary, you know, unless it's a documentary about the military police. It is not a documentary right. about the military police. Okay. Should we go? No. Should we go with the action movie then? Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Right. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just need to open the correct note, and then we can go with the action movie. Okay, thank you. Uh, I made reference to this last week. Okay. Uh, when I was talking about my remake, Quick, mm-hmm. uh, and mentioned it had elements of different movies, mm. and one of them is a film called Wedlock. Oh yeah, you told me about this quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing this years and years ago. Right. Um, and just remembering it as a cheese being. Uh, uh, simple, cheesy, and fun, but with yeah. a good premise. Okay. Uh, I watched it again last night, and it is mm. indeed simple, cheesy, and fun with a good premise. Awesome. So, Rutger Hauer, mm-hmm. Joan Chen, and James Remar pull off a big diamond heist. Right. Hauer is double crossed and left for dead, yeah. and through means we do not see, winds up at Camp Holiday Correctional Facility, right. uh, which is an experimental new prison where there are no bars and no fences. Right. Uh, the inmates each wear a collar, which mm. are all linked to another collar. And right. if they get more than 100 yards apart from their partner, both explode. Wow. If you try and remove your collar, both mm. will explode. Right. It's kind of... Uh, the trouble is... Running Man-esque. Yeah. yeah. And the trouble is, nobody knows who their partner is. And no two points in the prison, if you stay within the blue line, are more than 100 yards apart. Right. That's really clever. So, so the prison polices itself. Yeah. Um... The prison warden, uh, Mr. Holiday himself, played by Stephen Tobolowski, who you may know as uh, yeah, Phil, yeah. Phil Connors yeah. from uh, uh, Groundhog Day. Yeah, and he's he wants um, to... yeah, no, no, he's in uh, he's in Deadwood quite a lot as well. Yes, I saw yeah, a yeah. picture of him recently. He looks exactly the same now as he did in 1991 when he yeah, made this movie. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he wants the location of the diamonds from Hauer and tortures him with a sensory, sensory deprivation chamber. Right. Um, Hauer and his wedlock partner work out they're connected mm. uh, and break out to go and get the diamonds uh, with uh, Chen and Remar, who are now in Tobolowski's employ in pursuit. Okay. So you've got two people, links by a collar, links by explosive collars who can't be more than 100 yards apart, yeah. on the run, trying to find hidden diamonds. Fine. Uh, being chased by Joe Chen and James Remar. <laughs> right, okay. So um, weird. Because it's, it's so jo- cause Joan Chen was in Twin Peaks, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And James Remar was Dexter's dad. And wow, that's kind of a weird cast. It's a, it's a very bizarre cast. Uh, yeah. Danny Trejo turns up as tough prisoner number one. <laughs> Brilliant. And I defy you to laugh when uh, the credit for a man named Grand L. Bush shows up <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, I kind of wish I'd gone for this as my remake. Right, okay. Because this was uh, made for HBO. It's oh, really? a TV movie, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in fact, the version I'm going to give you is 4x3. Oh, brilliant. Although there are widescreen versions available. Right. The one I've got is 4x3. Uh, is um, and let's be honest, it looks like crap. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not a very good transfer. Right. Um, but I think the the premise, the premise is really good. Mm. Um, it's... It bounces along. It's like 95 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really slow down for anything. Right. Uh, you'll get great joy out of seeing Rutger Hauer's fashion choices <laughs> okay. once he gets out of the prison. <laughs> How he thought that would make him inconspicuous <laughs> is beyond me. Um, uh, and it's got the occasional the occasional fantastic line pops up. Okay. How do you get even with a guy who double-crosses you and steals your woman? You let him keep her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just uh, ninety-five minutes of uh, 
tremendous fun with a uh, poorly dressed, badly haircutted, slightly overweight um, <laughs> Rutger Hauer. Excellent. I look forward Actually, to it. I'll tell you something I do uh, I do quite like about it. Howard's character is much more layered than you'd expect for a, a, a cheesy straight-to-TV action movie. Right. Um, scarred by the double-cross, he distrusts women. Right, okay. Um, and he might be huge uh, because he's Rutger Howard, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, but he's not an action beefcake. He's an, uh, he's an electronics genius who doesn't want to turn to violence. And there's scenes where he, you can see he hates himself when he has to resort to it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, which is a bit odd for an action movie lead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, I, I mean, we, we, we had the great opportunity to spend an afternoon filming with him. We did indeed. Once, and, and you can tell, I mean, you can tell from that encounter that, like, no, there was nothing, like, he would always put so much into a character, regardless mm. of what he was making. Um, mm. You know, he really, really kind of went in detail with his character study of, of who that person was. And mm. so, yeah, I can I kind of, uh, I can believe it with him, put it that way. Whereas others you might think would just kind of, you know, play it by the numbers. Yeah, show up, yeah. read the lines, take the money, go home. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Cool. Next week it's an action blowout extravaganza. Yeah. Tom Cruise and Rutger Hauer style. Nice. Have they ever made a film together? Mm, I would doubt it. I would doubt uh... They've taken away the thing on IMDb where you could search for two people and get it to list everything they've oh, done really? together. Yeah, so annoying. I can't think... There's nothing that pops out at me that they've you know been what? in together. I'm just going to put the phrase Tom Cruise and Rutger Tom Cruise and Ruth Scott Tom Cruise and Rutger Hauer into Google and see what comes up. I can't imagine they've been in anything together. See which roles Rutger Hauer turned down. <laughs> no. No. Rutger Hauer would make a better vampire than Tom Cruise, it says. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise apparently turned down the lead in The Hitcher. Oh, right. Oh, that's interesting. Which was which ended up being Rutger okay. Hauer. Yeah. No, I don't think they ever have done anything together. No. Hmm. Well, there we go. That's disappointing. Yeah. Right. So, oh, I've just remembered mm. the third part of the list of oh, questions. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. So, despite being critical failure, your comic book movie was also a success. Right. And you get to see out the third movie on your contract. Mm-hmm. What Saturday morning cartoon slash toy franchise would you make into your third movie? Mm. There we go. There's a couple hundred million dollars. Off you go. Right. Answers on the back of a postcard. I've got three. Already? Yeah. Can you save them next week? Yeah. Okay, good. Because otherwise we've got nothing to talk about and this show's going to be two hours long. Yeah, right. No, no, I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got three. Well, if you have even only one, you can let us know. We're on Twitter at HYS Podcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash have you seen podcast. The website is have you seen.net and the email is podcast at have you seen.net. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Hold on. I'll do that again. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash HYS Podcast. I really must make that easier to say and type <laughs> yes. somehow i'll oh, go through dear. the youtube settings and see if there's any way i can do that yeah um where at the moment we're well, i say at the moment recently as in within the past year we put up um uh videos 
What other videos? <laughs> My brain just died. <laughs> they are uh, short pitches for movies we're not going to cover on the show. So yeah. movies Tom and I have both seen and like and aren't going to pitch each other, yeah. but we think you should see. Yes. So there's four up at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm planning to do more. I had a brilliant idea for one uh, the other day, which okay. I'm going to try and do before the week is out, hopefully. Awesome. Now I've said it, I've got to do it. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, go and watch those. Cool. They're pretty great. You get to see our faces and everything. Yeah. I would say that I'm going to do more, but to be honest, at the moment, I have no idea that if I'll be able to or not. So You're pretty uh, bloody busy. At the I moment. am. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's ridiculous mm. to say the least. Um, if the opportunity presents itself, I might try and do one, but it might be a couple of months before I can do another one. Really, let's not hold our breath. Yeah. So we like shares and likes on Facebook, particularly of new show posts. We like retweets on Twitter, especially of new show tweets. We like reviews and ratings on iTunes, which I haven't looked at for ages, mm. um, especially of the five-star variety. Yeah. And we like your pitches for new films and reviews of stuff we've covered, which can all be sent to the above places. We also mm. really like uh, people subscribing to our YouTube channel. Yes, please. As we mentioned last week, more subscriptions means YouTube lets do more interesting things with it. And we have interesting things that we want to do. Yes. I'm running out of energy and breath. Yeah, me so, too. Thank you to all of you for listening, especially if you've done any of those things. Yeah. Uh, and thank you to Alexia Mom for his uh, usual levels of technical expertise. Yeah, as always. And help and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, right, we better go for the action movie showdown. Yes. And prepare. Yes. Uh, for next week's uh, bottom shelf yeah. <laughs> video. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't got the energy for it. I know. I've just, I, uh, I'm absolutely shattered. So. Okay, good. All right. Well, okay, we'll, we'll go and have a nap and yeah. then we'll watch some action movies and we will see you in a week. Yeah, uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.